to Curatively the podcast. We're so excited that you're back with us. Today, we're going to have more of a sit-down episode with a doctor and a professional. And Aleki, if you'd like to introduce and get us started. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, Dr. Busha Kureshi, um, would you like to introduce yourself? Okay, well, I, my name is Dr. Kureshi, and uh, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. I work in Toledo, Ohio at uh, Community Mental Health Center. I see kids from all ages, uh, I would say from um, five, six, maybe sometime under, under four also, and up to 18. And when they transition to adulthood, I continue uh, with them. So I'm working here from last um, 12, 13 years. And uh, actually, uh, I, I'm from uh, Pakistan, and my original training was in Pakistan. And then I came here and I did my residency in psychiatry at uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, Temple University and then uh, my fellowship in child and adolescent psychiatry at Brown University in Rhode Island and then I moved to this area. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast. Like this means a lot to us. You're very welcome. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We have a few questions for you if that's cool. Sure. Great. So autism is a spectrum disorder. So is it possible if you can elaborate more about like what that means? Well, uh, autism is a spectrum that means a lot. You guys want to say like it's not like a mental health disorder or like anxiety disorder or, you know, ADHD, but it's it's a spectrum because no one autistic kid is the same as the other one. It comes in all ages and all are different from each other. So that's why it's considered as a spectrum disorder. And the reason why they say is that it's a multitude of social and communication problems as well as multiple behavior problems. And depending on the age, it could range from totally dysfunctioning problems and social interaction as well as very dysfunctioning behavior problems and that they need to be uh, watched or supervised all the time. We can go into more details as we go into the discussion. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what are the earliest signs of autism that are typically seen and what should parents look out for? So um, in the books, it says that autism is diagnosed at age three, but uh, the savvy parents, the um, intellectual parents, they would be able to pick up some signs as early as 12 to 18 months. And those signs that I'm talking about would be like, at that age, the babies are able to make eye contact, give you a smile normally and interact with the adults and enjoy uh, playing with the adults. But the autistic kids, they don't have eye contact at that age and they don't babble. Babbling is a very important sign for development and they don't babble. They don't enjoy what is going on around them. They would enjoy like if they pick a piece of toy or something, they would just get into the parts of that. But if somebody is trying to get their attention, they would not give the attention. Uh, so that's the biggest sign that can be picked as early as between 12 to 18 months. That's really interesting. I had no idea that like they don't like babble at all. Like that's just really interesting to hear. Um, I mean, it could be, it could be uh, varied symptoms, you know, I mean, they could babble a little bit, but not as much as a normal kid would do. So and it's only I would say, again, the same thing that the savvy and intellectual parents would be able to pick up those signs, because if 
for some reason, parents are also low functioning. They are not uh, picking up those signs. Or if, if it's their first child, that's a very common scenario also, that if it's their first child, they don't know what is the normal development is. So they would not pick up those signs. And then it would be by like 24 months or three years. So that's why the books, the DSM, where we rely the diagnosis on uh, is marked for three years, but it can be picked. And actually, uh, when we go into the education, we train the parents to pick up those kind of signs so they can pick up early uh, signs. That's really interesting. Um, and so like if the child shows these signs, what should the next steps be? I think that's uh, that's all about like, you know, picking up early diagnosis and early interventions. Uh, and again, as I said, that parents needs to be educated that what are the early signs and when they are picked up, I think they need to get a professional help. And that can start with uh, a primary care provider like a pediatrician who will who will have a screening tools to see whether the kid is develop and developing according to their age or they are behind. And if there are signs of um, slow development in speech, language, or interaction, social interactions, uh, the pediatrician themselves can refer the kids to the speciality units, which are like uh, specialized for autism, where they would have a psychologist, a psychiatrist like myself, uh, and social workers who will be able to evaluate them further. So early detection, early uh, uh, evaluation, and the treatment can be based on, the, um, on those findings. Interesting, so as you kind of mentioned treatment and therapies, um, what would you say like in your experience, what kind of works in terms of treatment and therapies and where do you normally take that after the, the diagnosis has been made? Well, the, the treatment is, uh, I would say when we talk about the spectrum, it's the spectrum of treatment also, as I said initially, that it's not like a disorder that we can give medication. Exactly. And we can get the treatment. So you look at the person or a kid as a whole and what are their requirements and that's how uh, the treatment is based on, but the earlier you would do it, the earlier, the better prognosis and they will be able to live independently. So basically they, they work on um, when they are the right place, for example, like psychologist or the right clinic, uh, they focus on two kinds of treatments. One is the uh, treatment for the developmental milestones, which is the building block of development, like um, are, is their speech is developing normally if they're behind on language. So a speech therapist would be definitely uh, would be a, a, a playing a main role in uh, evaluating and providing um, steps to the parents that how to help with the speech. Motor skills, fine, uh, fine motor skills or vision and hearing, hearing is very important. Whenever the speech is delayed, the hear hearing becomes an issue also. So, so one aspect of the treatment is involved that they will get all kinds of these services. If they're in the right, if they're con connected with the right clinic, like the autism clinics, they are in all uh, the cities, big cities, I would say that it's not available in the smaller cities. Uh, then, uh, then the other treatment would be the behavior interventions, like focusing on the behaviors that what are, what are they behaving? Are they interacting with you? Are they listening to you? Are they, uh, their tantrums that could not be controlled? And uh, those kind of behaviors needs to be added. And those uh, is a specialty treatment, which is the mainstay or the gold standard of the treatment is called functional behavior um, analysis, which is they pick up one behavior, which is I'm, I'm just going to tell you briefly that it's a one behavior and they kind of analyze that behavior that why is it happening? What time of the day is it happening? What are the 
uh, incidents that leading to that kind of a behavior, they kind of analyze completely to the point that parents would understand also that why this behavior is happening. And once that behavior happens, how to uh, change that behavior into uh, positive behavior. And it can, I can tell you that it can take years and years of that kind of therapy. Um, it's usually who is uh, specialized in that training, they would train the kid for two to three hours, at least four to five times a week. This is the typical model that is used, but not the, uh, the problem with this kind of uh, treatments is that, that not everybody is trained and it's not available all, all the time or everywhere in the cities. So uh, the lack of the resources is the biggest issue. So this, that's the mainstay of the treatment, but other, other things that can be done is a school. When they reach the point where they are at school, then they are teachers who also are trained how to handle these kids and how they, uh, how they can modify the behaviors and how they can give them rewards that the positive behaviors would be reinforced and the negative behaviors would be uh, um, rejected or uh, I would not say that they, the negative behaviors should always be punished because that will lead to the ex, um, acceleration of the behaviors. So um, what else What else shall we talk about? You want to talk about the... Yeah, so kind of like, just like a quick question is like additional is, I was just wondering, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Um, I mean, I'm, I work in a pediatric psychiatric clinic and we do have a department which is called developmental pediatrics. So most of the autistic kids and developmentally delayed kids are directed towards them first because they evaluate uh, by a specialized physician which are called developmental pediatricians. So they see all the developmental milestones and go from there. And, uh, and then of course they do the treatments also. Uh, and then if they need to find out if there is a cognitive um, delays or speech delays or learning problems, they refer to the psychologist also. So there's a psychology department also, the kids. So the, by the time the kid come to me, it's already seen by multiple providers. And that would include a social worker, that would include a psychologist, a developmental pediatrician, uh, speech and language uh, therapist and occupational therapist. They come to me uh, when the behaviors are not controlled by interventions that they're already providing. So for example, if the kid is having a tantrum, uh, which is so exaggerated that the parents does not know how to handle it, then they would come and refer to the psychiatrist that, okay, we tried every, every way of trying to modify his behavior, but it's not changing. So we need some medication. So then is a point, then we are going to look uh, for the medications. Same is that, that if the kid is in the classroom and uh, autistic kid is in the classroom and he is just jumpy all over and the attention span is zero and he's not able to learn, although he's a potential to learn, so that in order to treat the attention deficit symptoms, they would come to me. So I see a wide range of kids with these uh, problems and multiple issues come after they have been evaluated by multiple other professionals. So it's kind of a teamwork that they bring the kids to the psychiatrist once medications are needed. That's, that's, that sounds like a busy day, but it also sounds really rewarding. <laughs> it is, it is. I mean, uh, I see some of the kids I've been in this field for 15 years. So I've seen yeah. some of these kids are growing up into an independent uh, human beings and able to live on their own. 
Um, I would have to say that uh, as we were talking about that autism is a spectrum, it, there's a wide variety. You can see a very intelligent, which goes in the spectrum of like Asperger's kind of a diagnosis mm -hmm. and very, very low functioning also that they would need help 24-7 uh, from somebody, either the parents or the caregivers. Uh, but the one who are independent, they are able to live independently with minimal supervision. Like when they transition into 18 years from 18 to an adulthood, uh, they might be able to make some money by doing uh, different kind of jobs where they are not exposed or threatened uh, about their social awkwardness. So if you would see a lot of people like in the computer de department entering data or in the post office sitting at the back and, and uh, they, they love to do the third, uh, third shifts at different stores because there is no, right. nobody else. So those kind of jobs are easily taken up by these kind of kids and they continue to job but then they get the money and uh, if they are able to handle their money they're fine but when they grow up they either their parents continue their guardianship or the state takes over so somebody will help them to coordinate with their money so there's a lot involved in raising a child with autism but earlier it will happen the more chances of them becoming independent kind of tying back to that like obviously like when we do these causes we learn a lot about these causes itself because when we make these posts we learn a lot um through our research that is conducted um and one thing that i came across was that it's harder to diagnose autism in adults compared to kids um and so like how would you go about i'm not sure if you know much about this since you work in like pediatrics but i'm assuming you know um but like how would you go about diagnosing autism within an adult and how would you spot those signs yeah the high functioning autistic kids can go into an adulthood without getting diagnosed uh, for many reasons because they can continue to do the school work or the parents are not you know concerned about their behaviors because parents themselves were dealing with a lot of uh, issues that they, they don't even know that something is wrong with their child but if something happens and they want to get diagnosed fortunately the tests that we use for the kids ados can be used at any age so the, the, the person has to be agreeable that, okay, I have a problem and I need to get myself tested, right? When after 18 years of age, they are their decision maker, they can decide. So they can go to a psychologist and get it tested. The, the benefit of getting it tested is that, that they can get, start getting the resources that they are eligible for. If you have this diagnosis, the government have given a lot of grants, the Department of uh, Developmental Disabilities have grants for these kind of kids and young adults, so they can get social security. Uh, and um, and also the Medicaid, uh, which is like a, you know, a health benefit for them. So it all depends that what they are willing to do it and or somebody will pick it up that they are going to be tested. But the signs, if you're asking about the signs that how the adult uh, would uh, show up, I would say high functioning because if they're low functioning, somebody will pick it up at the young age. Uh, they are either not proceeding in the right direction with the academics, either they're having inappropriate behaviors where uh, where they are so irritable, having tantrums and all that. So it's young age is easier to pick up the diagnosis, but older age, if there is just social awkwardness that they are just not comfortable, it can go bypass for a long period of time. So unless and until that would be picked up, they can continue to live on their own. I have seen a lot of like adults with Aspergerish kind of symptoms, but uh, but that's that's what I'm saying. They can reach very high functioning people who could have it. <laughs> Do you have like any personal experiences or like any um, people you've worked with kind of that you could share to our audience, just how like something where you've seen like, like they came to you as low functioning 
and are now high functioning or some like just some with personal experiences they can kind of share some stories yeah a couple of patients like uh, they when as i said then pediatricians and other providers are not able to find out what exactly is going on these are autistic kids are real people and they have real emotions so uh, the uh, the the main thing is how to pick up those emotions because they are not going to come and say that i'm sad or i'm anxious or i'm worried you would have to take the history from other collateral information uh, and find out what exactly is going on. So I had actually like a six or seven year old kid. He was dealing with terrible anxiety, but everybody was giving him like seizure medications and uh, strong medication to put him to sleep. So, but his, uh, but his tantrums were not going downhill. So when I, of course, you know, it took me some time and took some collateral information and parents interview, um, I was able to find the kid was having panic attacks. And uh, like six-year-old uh, autistic kid who couldn't uh, express himself. And then we slowly added a medication for anxiety and his panic attacks continued to uh, reduce and to the point that he was able to go to school. And then when he was doing much better and he came and I asked him, how are you feeling? So uh, very interesting answer. And he said, I asked him, how are you doing? And he said, I am good. I said, how, how come you say you're good? And he said, I actually graduated. I said, what do you mean by graduated? So he said, I graduated from being bad. So it was so hard for me because he knew that he's not behaving. He okay. knew that he was having problems, but he could not ever describe that his heart is beating fast and he's getting shaky or he's nervous. You know, all those symptoms of anxiety. So uh, that was the case that I would never be able to uh, forget. Um, the other, the, in the older population, I would say that uh, I treated a kid with the same kind of ADHD, anxiety kind of symptoms, autistic kid. And uh, 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 as I said, I'm in 15 years in this field. So one day I went to a restaurant and uh, uh, here comes a young, young boy who's in uniform and all that. And uh, he started, uh, um, you know, taking the orders and everything. And then, no, I think he was feeding us. So, and he came second time. I have to ask you something. I said, what, are you Dr. Krishi? I said, yes. So, so he said, uh, you treated me when I was uh, 12 and 13 year old and I graduated from there and I'm now the manager of this hotel. I wow. said, oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. That was so amazing. So he said, I could not imagine that I would ever function, but you supported me. And of course, we put him through the right services. They go to the uh, vocational rehab programs. I don't know if he was a manager or not. Maybe he was not. But the point is that, that he had a job, he was functional, and he had the courage to come and talk with a person, uh, you know, and asking that question. Otherwise, I think if it would be somebody who was not trained to do that, they would not um, um, not go through. Let me tell you one more example of this kind of an issue that I'm not saying personally, but in general, we, we uh, train a lot of uh, kids who are growing up, like buying the things for themselves and making an order in the restaurant. Like if you're going to a password, what they want to do. Um, this is very common symptom that they cannot pay for themselves and they cannot make an order for themselves. So it can take up to two to three years to just do one simple step of ordering the food from the menu. And that's that's a success I'm talking about. Yeah, no, that's that's actually a very heartwarming story that 
I mean, especially for you, probably at the moment, that's very yeah. yeah. So, so these these are the kind of the patients we see. We see a lot of dysfunctional also who will never be able to live by themselves. They they come with a caregiver, either a parent or a foster family, but they are cognitively so low that they are not able to take care of their daily living, like shower, bathing, eating. And when they grow up as an adult, um, they can't live them by themselves. So we need a supervised group homes where the state takes over and uh, about their money, medical issues and medications and everything. I do wanna say one more thing. I don't know if it's getting prolonged, but some of the parents are so dedicated that they are um, and they would continue to do um, their jobs from A to Z without knowing that what's available to them. So another part of the treatment and training is the parents' education that when they come to us, fortunately, if they reach to us, we train them that their state provides a lot of benefits, a lot of uh, services for you guys where you can have your own time and you can take care of them. I've seen kids coming at like 18, 19, and they didn't know anything of what they could benefit from the government. So those kind of things are happening also. So it's some multi-dimensional issues and we just take care of a case by case basis, evaluate them. And when they come that is there a treatment or how long it's gonna take, I, I would say that it's a process that we go through and it's going to be, you know, we'll be with you as long as you are going. That's amazing. Um, we actually have one more question. Um, is there anything specific our organization can do? Like how can Cura use its platform to help educate further about this? I think this is uh, uh, spreading the word. I think uh, education of the people and education of the parents uh, is the main goal. And that's what you guys are doing, right? I mean, I think you guys are doing a wonderful job in spreading the word. and bringing different people that just like you guys uh, did it with me and I'm happy to uh, do it for you guys. But um, there, there could be a lot of other things like uh, um, other, other uh, professionals can be brought in also like uh, speech pathologist or what's their role in their management or occupational uh, therapist and psychologist. Everybody has their own role in order to take care of them and that could be the next step also that you know you just brought a psychiatrist and i focused i focused on the medication part of it the other people can focus on their part how they are doing their evaluations and how they are uh, um, uh, helping the community uh, the other thing is that, that you, you know when parents google these things that there are tons of information anywhere so if we can direct them to the one right place which we know that it's authentic and reliable then we can easily direct them to those um, places of course uh, there are certain books also which if you guys want i can uh, write the names um, in the chat or later on perfect no this was really helpful thank you so much i think our listeners and even the three of us have learned so much this is really helpful especially talking to someone who knows it firsthand is very helpful so thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining us today thank all you right so perfect much. good luck doing your projects i really enjoy looking at them thank you thank so you. much you're welcome Okay, take care. Stay in touch. Let me know. Okay. For sure. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much.